You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. Jay-Z here with Shrishma Nike. Woohoo! Catherine Sherlock. Hello. And my sister and yours, Carolyn Nowrose. Hey, sis. Hey there. Welcome back to the program, you guys. It is a special, I guess, surprise bonus episode of Hitchcocktober. We called an audible last week. It wasn't planned, but now it's part of the plans. It's It's been woven into the tapestry of Hitchcocktober. Week four, I mean, I'm feeling the season. I'm sure you are, right? Happy Halloween. Right. It's, it's around the corner, you guys. And uh, to get you all queued up, we are talking about 1960s. Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. But let's start off with some one-line reviews real quick, and then we'll get into the whole story behind the story behind the story, because at least one of us has never seen Psycho before. We're going to talk about it in a minute. So, one-line reviews, though. Shushman, do you got a one-line review for Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho? I actually don't. Do you want a minute? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, Carolyn Alrose, do you have a one-line review for 1960s Psycho? Yeah, I'm going to wing this one, though. Um, w- <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Right. Well, it right. just... it. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, my one-line review... Um, Kind of slow, kind of sexy, kind of not scary movie. Wow, interesting. Okay. Uh, great one-line review in that it was one line. And also extra great because it ends with a question mark. Trishma's nodding her head. You got one? You all queued up? You ready? <laughs> okay. Good. Hit us. I would say that of all the movies watched, we've watched so far, these two guys in the movie were the hottest ones I've seen so far. <laughs> <laughs> Ding dong. Drilling down immediately <laughs> to the core issues of this program. How hot are these people? Right. That should be, if we were doing the intro still, which we're not doing anymore, but if we were, I would add the hotness level That's maybe right. to like, how hot are these people? <laughs> like, what? What well, I get down with? These guys were hot. Yeah, okay. All right. Trishma. <laughs> Much better than, um, you know, old Jimmy Stewart we've been here looking for at. Sen- yeah. For oh, different vibes. Much different vibes with the, um, the shirtless man at the hotel. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. It. And of course, the hammer, Catherine Sherlock. Do you have a one-line review for us for 1960s Alfred Hitchcock's uh, Psycho? I guess it's more of a comment, but yes. Sure. <laughs> <All right>. um, <laughs> I mean, like seriously, if you don't want the business, don't turn the light on. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, sure. That is worthy of it. <laughs> that's that's a good one. Oh, Norman, the oh, world's Norman. worst proprietor. Uh, he just can't. He's not very good at it. I must say, um, I think I have watched this movie before. Really? Okay. Can, can I cue it up real yes, quick? So Shrishma Nike is the one in question who had never seen this before. We talked about it. You heard it live on the air last week. Uh, had never seen this. I could not, you know, I go to, to movie jail for committing movie crimes, such as revealing the exciting conclusion to Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, which is like 
rule number one of like all movies is like, don't tell people how psycho ends. So that being said, I did have to check in this morning to make sure did lock in the ending. Cause it really is the very end when things all kind of come together. Question mark. Fall apart. So I just got to know, and Carolyn, had you seen this before? No, I can't, I can't remember. No. You never saw. Oh wow! Okay, okay. And Catherine, remember you asked me, and I and I told you I was like, I don't know, just never interested me. (laughs) Okay, and according to your one line review, still maybe not that interested. (laughs) Definitely not. I I guess we'll get into. But should we just start with the big reveal? Was this surprising for you, Trishmanite? Um, no. Because I realized that I have watched this movie before. Mm. Um, I'm 100% sure there's a, a Bollywood remake of it. It's got to be. Right? Um, yeah, why not? In, <laughs> which, in which, of course, it was his mother. Um, actual mother. Yeah, like actual mother. Yeah. Okay. And um, I, I'm convinced, and this must have been like quite young because I can't fully recall the memory, but I remember being terrified of this movie. Okay. At and I can't tell you where in the the time. Bollywood version. No, this 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 this, this American one. Okay, version. Um, you don't remember where or when I you saw it. I don't remember, but I there's some scenes that are so like I can, I've I've seen this before. Like yeah, and I remember like oh shit, like I was scared. Like I remember that feeling. Yes, but then I also knew it was the mother. So okay, and when did you start? <sighs> when did you figure out like oh this is the one where the mom is. It's like Something. when she went to the motel, like the whole, like her pulling up to the motel, oh, okay, looking up okay. at the house. So I'm not sure, like, you know, memory is weird, right? I don't know yeah. if it's like all blending together, like the different versions that right. I've seen. But there's definitely a, f- a fear. There was a fear. And now I'm like, oh, okay. It's just. Just another one of these <laughs> old movies. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the white people. <laughs> 1960. Okay. Uh, and, and Carolyn, what, what are your thoughts regarding the exciting conclusion to psycho please do not reveal it to those who do not know uh but we're going to talk about it at length here uh, wait whether i was surprised about it yeah i mean does it like, no i mean i knew i knew I, when i might not have ever seen it um but i know and i knew what the ending was so no i was not surprised uh, okay 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 and Catherine, with this refresher uh how are you feeling about it now yeah, I mean, obviously, I knew the the double personality kind of mm-hmm. business, but yeah. like there were some twists and turns in the whole thing with the um, psychologist at the end. I had not, I hadn't remembered that. Yeah, so gold yeah. strikes <laughs> that, again. That I guy, get, boy, I get to enjoy it as if I've never seen it. <laughs> talk, talk about somebody get that guy a bagel because he is chewing the scenery. The psychiatrist at the end, like this guy, oh, he is yeah. making a fucking meal of that scene. Which I mean, all the men did in this movie. They, yeah, they really <laughs> <did>. <laughs> so it's a, these are meaty man roles, you yeah. know. But also for the for the women as well. Yes, no, um, she, she was good. She was. I think she oh. was. Uh, the the her driving scene, her eyes, the. Like everything oh, was yeah. very captivating. Now you know who who her daughter is, right? No, I know you're going to tell me. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, that's oh. right. So Janet Lee, star of Psycho, Jamie Lee Curtis, star of Halloween, yeah. the mom daughter ultimate horror combo. Okay, so let me do. Uh, let's do part one of the movie real quick, and we'll talk about it. Okay. 
Marion Crane wants to marry her dirt poor boyfriend, but he just can't get his shit together. Fortunately, she works at a real estate office and has access to tens of thousands of dollars, which she promptly steals. Uh, now on the run, she heads to L.A., switches cars, and is pretty paranoid about the results of her adventure. Fatigued from all the imaginary conversations in her head, she stops at the Bates Motel during her drive and meets the proprietor, Norman. Norman's an awkward guy who is really into his mom, taxidermy, and peeping. Marion excuses herself to shower in her room and is stabbed to death by Norman's mommy, Mrs. Bates. So this whole first part of the film, which is about 50 minutes for an hour and 48 minute movie, like it's a different movie than what That's true. the movie winds up actually being about. Yeah. But to start off with, I mean, like you say, we're opening up with, with some hotties, right? Uh, having a, a dangerous liaison mm. in a seedy hotel in Phoenix, Arizona. That was steamy. Um, I mean, oh yeah. I mean, literally. What an opening. Right. I mean, like <laughs> they both look really hot. I mean, it's, it's Phoenix. So, I mean. I'm, uh, I'm guessing that for the time that this was incredibly racy. Shocking. Yes. yes. That man does not have a shirt on and Th- she's, and in, a she's in a bra. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think um, I Googled, I did some light, Light oh, web you? interweb oh, wow. research. Okay. <laughs> okay. This, this movie came out after there was uh, a change in one of the censorship laws or something. Oh, the hate okay. code. Okay. So something, uh, so I guess it came out after. So there was some uh, leniency. Mm. This was one of the first movies that showed a woman in a bra. Um <sighs> Like on, on screen like this. Okay. I, I had no idea about that. Yeah. I do know the toilet trivia. Yes. And um, then it was the first time they'd shown a toilet. Like the toilet. The actual like the flushing. flushing. Yeah, and right. Then like the. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. You oh, know, just, just human bodily functions. Right. It only took millennia to get to a point where we feel comfortable showing. <laughs> yeah. Up until this point, nobody took a do. shit. Like, yeah, right. ever. <laughs> in Hollywood. I must say, like, anytime. Maybe, you know, it was kind of sewn up around the back there. It just didn't. Right. Yeah, yeah. Either. Back then, of course. I was going to say, like, Anytime they show a picture of a toilet bowl in any movie or show, yeah. I'll close my eyes. It's what? just too too real. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's happened there and you don't I like it. Don't want, <laughs> I don't want I don't want to see <laughs> anything. <laughs> just next scene, please. <laughs> well, that bit not to jump ahead too far, but when Marion's sister finds that number. That scrap of number, I mean, is that not the grossest clue that anybody's yeah. ever found? Actually, ever? I her saw that one number, coming. I was like, paper? she didn't look if everything flushed or not. So there's definitely a what piece about, of paper floating. <laughs> what about Norman, though? He did a it's thorough cleanup a job. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't lift up the seat. <laughs> no, he did a terrible... He mops for like five minutes. And he's like, yeah, I should do it. Yeah. <laughs> like that. I mean, I, I was going to ask then. your, your appear, uh, opinion... Caroline, because I mean, this is clearly going to be like the worst like crime scene clear up ever. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Everyone just got this mop on their towel. And, well, it's all fine. Everything's squeaky clean now. What? Five minutes later? Well, yeah, it takes me longer to clean my bathroom. That grout is covered in DNA. <laughs> all kinds of DNA. I mean, first of all, I was watching it. I'm like, there's just not enough blood for a stabbing no, scene, I mean, like at all. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
David's like, well, it depends on how much of her body was inside or outside of the bathtub. <laughs> and I was like, true, true, because we were only seeing the water go down the drain. If she had a lot of stabs in her chest and upper abdomen and her upper half was like out of the bathtub. Well, leave it to it old David like, Time Machine to drill down to the core issues of, of this type of scene. But we were Why like, we hey, don't payroll. put a black light in that bathroom. No, <laughs> never. No. I mean, did, did they have the technology in six, the 60s, black light? No, nothing like that. But they would have they would have figured out. I mean, like, he's not No, they, they, he's not. But let's let's get back to the, the key issue of Act One, which is the hotness, you guys. I mean, Janet Lee, smoking hot. Mm. She is down to 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 do it with Sam, her boyfriend, who like we hear right away, he's gotta pay off, you know, alimony and he's gotta pay off his father, his dead father's debts, and like he just can't get ahead. He's living in the back of a of a hardware store. I mean, what do we do for Sam here? Like, and also, does it really fucking matter? Because Again, this is a different movie than what we end up watching. So, I mean, like, why not? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, like, I guess they were both in love and there was obviously something holding him back from being with her. And she even said, you know, like, I'll do whatever you want me to. Like, I'll even, I forget what it was that uh, she said in the. Oh, she'll lick the stamps. She'll lick the stamps. There yeah. we go. Oh, my God. I'll lick the stamps. So many good drops in this movie. Yeah, so it is a drop. So what's stealing forty thousand dollars? I guess right. Which uh, if we do if we do the time math on that, that's four hundred fourteen thousand dollars. So that's that's a fair chunk of money. Yeah, and clearly the man who was drunk was just throwing it around. And this, so yeah, so we we follow we follow Mary into her office where she. She meets this client of her boss who is this, yeah, this rich drunk man. I am dying of thirst to Can't remember his name, but he is wildly unappealing. And he is just also a drop bomb. Like everything that comes out of his mouth is a drop, basically. I'm just like, oh, talking about, oh, and I don't, I don't claim taxes either. Hot <laughs> as fresh milk. And he just, he comes in. He is classic boorish man. My sweet little girl. In the world buying and selling people as he sees fit. And this is what he's doing here. And uh, boy, you kind of like root for her to take that man's money. He's just off the rails, but also not to a point where we haven't seen in modern times, like right. he's behaving as every other, as any man would. Yeah. I, I mean, any thoughts about the, the theft of the monies? It was so easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if he's going to just take it out of his pocket and like wave it in her face, like, ah, what I do with money. But like, even the boss was like, there was just this blind trust that she yeah. would go and put it in the bank. Uh, yes. And that is the right move for that boss of just like, we can't do this. Like, this is, right. we're shutting this down immediately. But she's, she's sick and tired of it. She wants to be married, you guys. But yeah, so she she takes this money. She is really good at creating the excuse for like, oh, I got a headache. And also, I don't want to be here. You're a disgusting uh, client of my boss. I don't want to be around you. I got to go. Um, he, he, of course, is like flirting with her the whole time. And you know that she has been through this routine many times because she is so good pretending like she, it doesn't bother her and yeah so she she takes this cash and she goes home and she packs her bags and she's on the run all of a sudden she is leaving to go set up a new life somewhere that being said she is not so good at the sneaking around bit she's clocked immediately by her boss who sees her like leaving town um which again like having seen the movie and knowing where it goes and knowing that all of this is 
the the MacGuffin, if you will. The money right. is the MacGuffin, right? Right. All of this is means nothing, big picture, but also because it actually gets thrown away. Well, right, exactly, right? It's rolled into a fucking swamp. But when her boss sees her and she sees the boss see her, I felt that pain in my gut of like, oh my God, the boss is going to be so mad at me. And mm. just like that, they, they plays up that dynamic perfectly because we've all felt that way. We all answer to somebody. And I mean, even the, her boss answers to the rich drunk man who's giving all the money. But yeah, I just, I felt, I felt that core panic of getting busted on, you know, doing a fakie sick day. Right. Right. So <laughs> it's tough. But she starts driving and she's, uh, she descends into this sort of ongoing imaginary conversation in her head. It's an interesting device, I guess. Like It's not one that I've seen necessarily played out to this extent where it's just like minutes of us focusing on her thinking, basically. And then we're getting all of the audio work over, over it. But it, we're just looking at her face while she drives the whole time, while she's kind of going through the the hell of uh, the potential end game here of what the results of her, her actions. I suppose I don't understand why she even thought she would get away with it. And she's obviously paranoid from like the, the moment she doesn't go to the bank. Yeah. There's no chill in her ass at all. Like once she's on the run, she's acting like the most suspicious person you've ever seen <laughs> like, 100% yeah I mean yeah, I'm like would you like to draw more attention to yourself let me tell you how um because you're doing it all yes now so so there's the famous scene with the the highway patrolman right, right. so this is one of those movies I was you know as I'm watching it through our, our, our new eyes of doing this program, everything in this movie is kind of iconic in a way. Like if you've seen it before, this is a very influential film. It's a it's a shocking film, but it was a shocking film for the time. Um, just kind of outrageous, but like everything that happens in it from like the $40,000 to the shot of her just behind the wheel driving the car to the dead on waking up to see the trooper's face, like just staring directly, you know, just spiking the the camera, basically just staring at the audience. Like these are all very iconic images, the, the motel, yeah. the house, the showers. I mean, like all of it, like the fruit cellar, it's all everything is just wall to wall influence yeah. coming from this movie. But we, <laughs> We meet this highway patrolman who's like, you can't, ma'am, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be sleeping on the side of the, the highway like this. Yeah. What, what's up? What are, you, what are you doing? And she's just like, I have to go. Like She doesn't even, for somebody who's so calm and collected in the office when she's actually taking the money, as soon as anybody, like the heat is on the slightest, but the heat's not even on. It's just like just asking her. somebody <laughs> delivered the oven to the house. They haven't even plugged it in yet. Just the arrival of an oven in a box is enough for her to be like, uh, I got to go sell my car. Bye. <laughs> I can't see the cop obviously picks up on it, follows her because she is behaving suspiciously. I don't know the ins and outs of the legality of, you know, we saw this in Dragnet I mean, back I don't in the think day. He can call, follow her. Well, I guess he can. If it's, if she's in his jurisdiction, right? Like, but he's just tailing her just to be like, what is this crazy lady uh, up, to? up to? And she she doesn't even try to shake him. No. And she immediately goes to sell the car. I don't know what good that does at that point. If the police are no, just I, I didn't really understand the point of that because she's clearly been clocked. And yeah. a, an officer of the law can make that connection. So Right. Yeah. So that's... Uh, 
it's um it's an imperfect crime <laughs> that's playing out in front of us. Also, it it does go to show so we kind of you know, we think of this as a different age, a different era or whatever, but it's not so dissimilar to where we can't conceive of like the fact that she's going to get caught, you know, has, has been brought up. What's the plan here, Marion? Um, you're going to take the money, I guess cash that helps, but otherwise like you got to like change your, change your identity and everything and move to a different part of the country, if not a different country entirely. Yes. With your Wouldn't it have been a bit easier million? to disappear back then, though? Probably, right? I mean, this is what I like to... Hitch up okay. somewhere and just call yourself something else and... Yeah, I mean, several, driver's several license reasons, didn't have photos. Well, but know? several reasons why, yeah. Okay, driver's license wouldn't have had photos. Um, your, like, law enforcement was even more siloed in its jurisdictions mm-hmm. than than you know today you don't have trackers because you don't have a cell phone <laughs> you know you're not posting where you are every moment so yeah if you just change your name yeah i mean they have and uh, you stick with it we got fingerprint technology at this point but it's great i don't it's even think like we have miranda rights at this point by the way 1960 1960 do we get do we get them? I feel like wasn't uh, wasn't that like fifty nine or something like that? Uh, right. I can't wrong about that. I, I find out. I'm but like yeah. blanking on the year. This is horrible. Uh, no, it's uh, 1966. Oh wow! Okay, 1966 so, was the Supreme Court's decision for Miranda okay. v. Arizona. So no song and dance from. I'm like I know it's the 60s. I just friends. was pretty sure it was later. Okay. Um, so you do not have your rights read to you. No. So, like, you might not know your rights. It just, uh, things go off the rails immediately. You know, not unlike dial in for murder, actually, but I mean, they, yeah. she's on somebody's radar before she even leaves the town. Her boss sees her. Marion, oh, God, there's like, got to be a better, Why wouldn't you <laughs> get a fake mustache or like take the back road or whatever? She goes exactly. right through town. She like drives past the office. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, she's getting a sick thrill revisiting the, the scene. Of the I crime, will I say that's kind of like the only moment that I actually really liked is that she like is so dumb in making that decision. First of all, like not sneaky at all, but she's just like, Oh, Hey, and he's like, Hey, and he's like, wait, like that <laughs> yeah. silent interchange and facial expressions. I'm like, yeah. Oh, you're fucked now, girlfriend. <laughs> oh, exactly. Right. That's, it's a nightmare for all of us. That, that touches a nerve within all of us. It's like, Oh my God, my boss is going to sing yeah, so she sells her car. Like she, she high pressures the salesman. The first time the, the salesman's been high, high pressured by the customer. Wow, well, 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 that guy. By the way, <laughs> I mean, like even that man is iconic. That performance of yeah. like, I don't want any trouble. All these like fake outs and everything of, of his weird way of speaking, his weird sales patter. Um, she does change the car out. The policeman gives up. He's like, "Well, that's crazy," <laughs> and and then she drives until it's nighttime. And I mean, how does she get lost? Is like if she's driving on a straight road. I mean, figure the desert, it, right? So she like accidentally get off the wrong on the wrong slip road or something. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the highways weren't as sophisticated. Right. I mean, there's not going to be like lighting infrastructure, so it'll be dark. This also sounded like um, the era where things were moving from, like they said, the old highway. So from like the Route 66 to like the interstate. Right. Eisenhower's Highway. The mighty Eisenhower Highway. That that, that was apparently, what was the rumor? That it was designed to have 
enough long stretches that you could land military planes if you needed to anywhere in the U.S. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's that's, cool. that's a rumor I've heard, um, un, unsubstantiated. Uh, but it takes us 27 minutes of this movie to get to the Bates Motel. Mm-hmm. So she arrives tw- like almost a half hour in. Again, the movie is totally different. Right. And then we end up at this fucking motel and we meet weirdo Norman. Trishman, how do you feel about Norman? How does he make you feel when you meet him? Tell me your experience, your journey. I mean, I would have smashed. Would you? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be dead then. Look, I will say, look, he had. Maybe not worth losing my life over. He no, had a good outfit. But he is pretty, right? Isn't he? I found him nice. Okay. Innocent, pretty, fresh face. So this is one of the two guys that you thought yeah. was the hottie? Okay. <laughs> That's so funny because like I, you said that. I didn't even think of like, obviously I thought, okay, well, Sam. Right. Uh, right like, Who was yeah. the other one you thought? Uh, I didn't know. I just figured thinking back that to the I, other men. It's like is. Martin Balsam, her reedy mustachioed boss, and the highway patrolman. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> The it's the psycho. sweaty sheriff. About, yeah, okay. I guess Anthony Perkins. I mean, he would be the the next Mr. Handsome. He had a good outfit. He was wearing he was, some corduroy, well like black sweater. Like looks he good. Had a, you know, he, he would have like Catherine said, like a nice face. Like, I mean, I wouldn't like first upon first meeting this man, I wouldn't think like, oh, he's crazy. Like he was welcoming. Like he helped her. He was Catherine. If you met Norman out and about, would you take him home with you? Well, that's not really the but, way I operate. But, um, <laughs> so no. Also, no? he's kind of like oh, curious. I'm old enough to be his mother, so also no. Yeah, and that has all kinds of weird connotations. Then does it not? Well, that's the thing. I mean, like I think if anybody's landing Norman, I think you know, like, <laughs> that profile. Um, all right, but you think okay before you mouth and starts talking about his hobbies. Right. Do you think he's handsome? Like, like that's the core. Like, would you would you kiss him? Me? No. Yeah, Catherine. No, Norman too, too young for me. I can appreciate like he's cute, but like no. Okay, Carolyn, would you kiss Norman Bates? Too young? Um, uh, you're definitely too young for me. Come on now, who are we talking well, do we about? Think Norman is. I mean, like, yeah. too young for when? Like at the age he's playing that in the movie? Is Norman like thirty, something like that? No, what's wrong? No, with I would have said he was younger. Like, no. So his, his mom, we find out that mom died 10 years prior. So I just assume that he would be like 20 or something like that. But I guess he could have been much younger. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I was just going by kind of how he, he was very boyish. He seemed. Yeah. He's, there's um, a little bit of an immaturity there. Yeah. Even though, Like certainly like, look, hands, handsome, human being attractive human being not not arguing that at all uh that's just for my taste i'm like shy and weird doesn't and young doesn't do it for me (laughs) well that's the thing is like as soon as he you have to would probably have to keep him in a vacuum right right, trishma because as soon as you see him in motion or like he kept his speaking like i feel like just just from like looks wise yeah right not like (laughs) <laughs> if you saw his profile right. online, like his, like, you his know, Tinder Auntie profile. Like, you know, Auntie came to me and was like, here. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, what was he, what was his Tinder <laughs> thing? Be like, yeah, I, I love stuffing things. Ha ha. Like, well, my mom's my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. Okay. So Norman has himself a little date, right? Like she, poor Marion Crane. <laughs> 
this is talk the worst place to stop the worst person to get caught in a in a fucking sandwich meeting with but i mean she she ends up it's so interesting because it's only when she hears i think it's only when she hears his mom scolding him from the house mm-hmm. right like when she's uh you know settling into her room and like that that is enough to trigger enough sympathy for him that she's like yeah you know what i'll eat your fucking i'll eat your sandwiches in your presence or whatever i mean she she kind of agreed to it beforehand but now she feels even more like obligated to to eat with him except he doesn't eat and i don't know it's a but this is a very uncomfortable scene in his parlor his office parlor where he brings her food and she has to eat it out of politeness and again, sympathy for his predicament of being a mama's boy, full on mama's boy, prototype mama's boy. And as soon as she starts eating, of course, he's going to comment on the way she eats. Everybody loves that. You eat like a bird. And this is, you <laughs> and know, the bird to, imagery is very yeah, heavy. Yeah. Very, I mean, like, clearly, Alfred Hitchcock has a bird thing. Yeah. Well, and we, I think we talked about this with the movie The Birds, right. but like, you know, birds being slang, you know, b- British slang oh, for women. Okay. Uh, uh, her last name is Crane. Uh, which is a bird. He has taxidermied birds in his office. So obviously he's into stuffing birds. Birds and peeping. And yeah, yeah, and peeping as well. Now it's interesting. Have any of you seen the remake of Psycho? Like the the 1998 shot for shot Gus Van Sant remake, which was a, a thing. Isn't that the one with Vince Vaughn? Vince Vaughn plays Norman Bates. No, no, but I, I, I remember that being out. I saw it in the theater actually a couple times, I think, when it was out. And then I watched it again, maybe in the past year or so. It's like it got made fun of for being like an exact recreation, but it's kind of interesting to see like mm. in color with different performers and everything. I don't know. I think was it's a it worthy. As good? Ep- it's not. Didn't pull, I think it's still out. good. It's good. Okay. It's not like you'll never capture the original shock, I guess. Uh, or maybe you could. I don't know. I guess mm. you would have to show it to somebody who's never seen the original to see what they yeah, think of it, I suppose. But the thing that they do add is when he, when Norman is peeping, um, they add the actual masturbation part. So, like, you Aww. you get the uh, oh. the foley of him doing this while he's peeping into the other room, which is just implied in the original. that this. So, is- one of the things, though, that I did find creepy... And like in like okay that that that's creepy and I I mean I know that the the book it's based off of and the film um, when he was talking about all the taxidermied stuff like talking about the birds mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was like oh yeah Ed Gein isn't this supposed to be like loosely based on Ed Gein who like would ah, yes. make uh, like exhume corpses and make lampshades out of skin then it's not funny but um, <laughs> well I mean it's uncomfortable enough to where you have to laugh to make it comfortable right Is that right but that right like now? Yeah, of course we are. Um, but I check out our like, new lampshades at the store, by the way. But I had that moment of like, oh, wait, that's right. This this was like a similar time period. Um, and I thought I, I was pretty sure that the book was kind of like you know, same thing, like obsessed with their mother and like the weird, like simple next, next door guy is really just like a complete murderous creep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. 
taxidermying things. Right. He was always so such a nice boy, so shy, very quiet, kept to himself. Right. I've never read this book. Actually, I would. I think I would like to now. I think I might like the book better than the movie. Have you you've read it? No, I I haven't, but I have a feeling I'll probably like the book better than the film. Uh Okay. How is this Shrishma as a first date for you? (laughs) Where, okay, (laughs) you have a meet cute, you know, like, oh, we're just two strangers brought together by fate in this rainstorm. And um, this is his his access to a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. She's literally just come to his door and like immediately he has no game. Like immediately he's talking about how she eats. He's talking about his taxidermy hobby. And then he gets into the mom stuff. I mean, it's like one hit after the other where it's like, dude, you just. The date's not going well. Oh my God. But it's also like one of my fear. Not, it's not a fear, but it's this like being killed in like a abandoned hotel. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a valid because, fear. Because like, have yes. you guys ever watched this movie Hostel? Hostel? Um, yes, I have Where seen they would go to like, random not. places yeah. in like Europe yeah. and like get chopped up. Into right. And then they take you to the, yeah, they take you to this weird place filled with cells where they, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. So this is stuff. a general fear that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this movie didn't help. How did I like this date? Um, I feel like after this date, I would have not wanted to smash as much. I th- <laughs> That's a relief. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Uh, Stepping away from the smashing, right? Which is unfortunate because a son is no substitute for a lover, right? Um, so a son is a poor substitute for a lover. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that I mean, again, first date. Okay, uh, for, uh, it's just look. Just don't Norm, use don't use that line in a first here's, date. Here's here. what I would do to coach Norm. Why don't you go away? Uh, if I if if I was being brought in. I was being helicoptered into like, yeah, right. As like a counselor for like, listen, I, you know, there's somebody out there for you, Norman, you know, we just got to find them. It's like, look, maybe a little less, less history, more mystery from you. (laughs) And maybe you ask some more questions that of her, you know, like, what are you into? Because like, you can't lead with the taxidermy and the mom fan club. You just can't lead with that. You guys got to be anything else. Now, that being Um, said, maybe she liked taxidermy but clearly she didn't. You know, everyone has their thing. Everybody has their thing, but let's think back to a time before like goth culture and like this sort of weird, a little bit more esoteric underground. uh, We collect bizarre, you know, uh, Victorian paraphernalia, things that belong in glass jars or whatever, uh, which is very much a a subsect of, of society at this point. I don't think 1960, you had so much of that. Or if you did, maybe yes. Then, then we're actually into the Ed Gein territory of, um, sir, should you be having all of these things kept in glass jars? Should you be having the cadaver of your mother preserved in a fruit cellar? That's crazy. It's just a question. That was, it's kind of fucked up, right? It is extremely. How do we feel about the shower murder scene? Uh, this is oh, included yeah, in a, this part of that. the synopsis. I mean, this is a very very famous scene in in cinema. Uh, this is a very this is like the prototype example of a fine editing or editing used for effect to, to sort of illustrate uh, this type of violence without actually seeing the violence. We don't see the skin being uh, yeah. pierced by the, the blade ever. We do see a lot of uh, her body though, like in quick. I flashes. feel like this was so voyeuristic and also yes. um, like every oh, yeah. film student that got their hands on 
the actual reel of this film was just like, oh my God, side boob. Oh my God, a belly button. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> like, That's funny. Well, I mean, you're all, as one of you know. the film students, that was not my immediate <laughs> response. I mean, it is not, it's always nice to see a, a beautiful naked woman, of course, but uh, it was more about like, I was interested in, well, there's two, two big mysteries. One is the shot of the shower head seen from her point of view and like, how is it not getting wet? The answer to that mystery is that they just made a really huge shower head. And so like the camera could fit like in the middle and it would, the water would go around it. Mm-hmm. Um, a comically large shower head. Speaking of comically large things, this is actually a throwback to our dial M for murder episode where we see the finger dialing the M on the rotary phone. Mm-hmm. That's actually because they couldn't get that shot in focus. They had to build a very large rotary phone dial and an equally large fake yeah. finger. So that's a fake finger dialing that dialing in for murder there. Likewise, it's, it's just a fake big old shower head. So I don't know. Chuck, very inventive with should have done like a shrinking person movie maybe like, or like the incredible 50 foot woman or something, something with size. He seemed to be very uh, adept at that. Second weird thing is how do you get the shot? from the drain dissolving into the graphic match with her eye and then like the spinning around camera movement as we pull away where she doesn't move or blink or whatever that's impossible that's an impossible shot but they she, she does there is a very faint movement there. yeah I, I, she does I, I hold it yeah yes but it's it's, it's as good as you could ask for a, a live person um right. and it's pretty shocking but yeah. But new people to Psycho, how did you feel about this murder? It's uh, it's also complemented by the score, Bernard Herrmann's score, which, mm. shit, man, this score's a banger, right? Like, this has got to be, like, top that's, five. That's probably the most iconic part of it to me is, like, as soon as I heard that sound, I knew. I've heard this before. Right, I know right. exactly what, like, I know. It was so recognizable. Um, tell, tell, me, tell me your thoughts. You know, you had asked so last week and you're like, you've never seen it, but why you love all these other Hitchcock films? I was like, yeah, but the other ones have a lot of glamour. Like, this is so just like, meh. I did not find it suspenseful. Obviously, I also knew it was going to happen. And I felt like the first half hour, I was just like, I don't, no one gives a shit about this money. Get to the creep at the hotel. Okay. I guess the experience is a bit compromised because you knew the exciting conclusion to psycho yeah right right, exactly um but then also like the murder scene i'm i'm i realize i'm like yeah 21st century late 20th century early 21st century eyeballs and experiences i'm like it wasn't shocking um it wasn't bloody enough i mean i my comment was truly it's not enough blood in the drain if there's a stabbing (laughs) That's true. She does allegedly get stabbed many times. We're led to believe that she's stabbed a whole lot. And right. it does seem to be like about like half a glass worth of uh very, very uh diluted watered blood. down. Yeah, yeah it's mills perhaps tops. Yes. But and like yeah. I mean I, I, I don't know. I mean I thought like the the like the ordinariness of the first half an hour is Obviously meant to lull you into some right. sort of mm-hmm. sense of security if you think of audiences of the day. And that it would it's go a different things. direction. Like this would have Perfect. been a really yeah. big left turn. So yeah. and I can understand cinematically why it's such a beloved film because 
there are some really fascinating film tricks in there mm-hmm. about the shower head, mm-hmm. about that shot on her face where her face doesn't move afterwards. You know, like just hearing the sound of the stabbing, but you're not actually seeing the knife going. It's like, you know, there's all those things where I'm like, yeah, I get why this is iconic. Absolutely. It's just, and I think maybe because I didn't grow up with it as part of my like uh, canon of Hitchcock films or things that I would watch. So I'm just kind of like, oh, like I don't enjoy We're like I, the other films. I'm like, oh my God, look at Grace Kelly or look at that outfit or Jimmy Stewart being Jimmy Stewart, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. There's, there's mm-hmm. a different kind of 1950s charm. Yes. I think. Goes, and this is, and this is gritty. I'm like, and now we're in the sixties. <laughs> Exactly. This is really a, a real gateway film, I think. Uh, yes. This be- became very clear to me watching it this last time, uh, especially since we've just been watching so many of these from this era. Like, this is the beginning of we're stripping all of that artifice away, like that we're stripping away the glamour and the banter. We're stripping away the fucking color, you know, right. like we're, the fact that he did this in black and white when everybody was transitioning to color. I mean, that does it creates a different viewing experience. Now he'd obviously made plenty of black and white films earlier in his career, but uh, you know, we're so accustomed to, to seeing this era now done in color. It seemed uh, like a budget film, right? Which it was, as we talked about, like he needed to make this on the cheap because it was considered risky, I think. And also right. vertigo was not the smash success. I think everybody had hoped it would be. So yeah, we're going to strip this down to stuff that we can do easily on the or on a sound stage, black and white, real quick. Uh, you know, like this is quick and dirty, small cast, and and they here it is. And also, right. I feel like the as you say, Carol, the glamour is, has been kind of stripped away. I feel like performance wise, even these are much more naturalistic performances uh, yep. than we have become accustomed to from this older school of thought of. Uh, that's more influenced by like, you know, the stage and the transatlantic accents and all this reaching the people in the, in the cheap seats. Yeah. And, and the, I would say transitional probably, I mean, obviously like film is a reflection of society. We're seeing the same transition in society. Like our first baby boomers are coming into their teenage, late teenage years and early adulthood mm-hmm. at this time, 1960s. So, right. you know, they are divesting themselves of their parents, uh, morals, values, sense of style. The hat index is way down. <laughs> yes. Steps. Absolutely. Uh, uh, little to no hats in this. <laughs> yeah. I think only Arbogast maybe if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. But yes. And I think, the cultural change hasn't happened, but you feel it like right around the corner. Yeah. Like right. There's, there's something we've progressed to a point where like, we're waiting for the next thing is what this feels like. Now, maybe I'm saying that knowing that the next thing is around the corner, which is the mid sixties basically. And then into, you know, up to like 1980, yeah, you know, we have a couple that's clearly like in a sexual relationship, not married. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. And they are sweaty and steamy in oh, all the oh, right no. ways. There is there is a bare-chested man and a woman in a bra. That's mm-hmm. right. Where they I'm more great. like, I guess I just prefer that 1950s glamour. I, yeah, nice I understand. I understand. Mm, keeping it buttoned up. Mm, Give, uh, I like a little mystery. Mm. 
I'm good with that. I don't need to see it all, people. You don't want to see uh, Jimmy Stewart's bare chest? No, or his bare feet in that goddamn... Bell Book and Candle film. Take those bare oh, yeah. Jimmy oh, Stewart feet. That that does haunt me. The fact. <laughs> Put some slippers on. God damn it! Be be a gentleman. Guys, we're we're back here, just breaking into our programming as we do because we want to focus on some of our hot merchandise in our steamy hot merchandise store. It's the T Public Store. The link is in the show notes attached to this very episode but let's look it's hitchcocktober let's talk about our hitchcocktober design which is the unique cover that we use for these episodes only uh, we've got some ravens on there we've got you know articles of death we've got ropes we've shallow graves and really you could put this uh on anything we, you know we talked tank tops previously we talked co- coffee mugs uh we have these like tapestries though these sort of large fabric like flag size things like what if we got that you know like but the hitchcocktober cover art like that's available for you if you want to go check it out so we advise you to do that of course i don't know Shishma, like what would you put hitchcocktober cover art on a t-shirt i would use it as a blanket oh a blanket i don't know if blanket's an option but maybe these tapestries could double right. as a blanket you know they like could. okay and then, um so when the trick-or-treaters come uh and it gets chilly outside right. you can I'll, wrap yourself swaddle or, yourself or, you know, maybe share it with them because <laughs> they're cold too because they're outside right. no of course i mean it's a totally normal or bit of behavior we can get some hoodies and those could be our trick-or-treat yeah oh, why do we not have the hitchcocktober mm. hoodie we do actually it's available on our t public store Catherine, you would you be seen around town wearing one of those I'm sure you would. Maybe not for you personally, but let's say you're a listener of our program. Would you be wearing one of those? Um, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn Rose, what do you want to put Hitchcocktober cover art onto? Do you want to put it on a, like a notebook, spiral bound, maybe not spiral bound? The options are fairly limitless. Coffee mug. Coffee mug. You got it. You got it, sis. And you got it too, listener at home. And if you do buy at least one to three of each of these things that we've just talked about, we're going to thank you so fucking hard. It's going to sound just like this. Thank you. Thank you. Could we get one with like Norman Bates? Like, hey, boo. (laughs) (laughs) Just says dream boyfriend as long as he doesn't talk or move. Yeah, like I'd smash it, says Bruce. Yeah, yeah, smash worthy. Actually, we'll, yeah, we should do it. It should be a quote shirt for you. Stand there and look pretty. This is is how low the bar can be. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. Uh, And now back to the show. (laughs) Guys, for the sake of the sake of uh, brevity, let me give you the next part we'll talk about here. Norman discovers the murder scene and quickly cleans it up. He puts the body and its effects, including the stolen 40 grand, into the trunk of Marion's car and rolls it into a swamp. Now, that just seems stupid. Meanwhile, Marion's sister, Lila, wants to know what it And she and Sam run into Mr. Arbogast, a PI who has been hired to recover the stolen cash. Arbogast goes door to door, finally ending up at Bates Motel, where he sees right through Norman's weird nonsense. Unfortunately, he is also killed by Mrs. Bates before anything can be resolved. Now, Carolyn, what was your issue with throwing away the 40 grand, which is a mistake that he, he wasn't aware of? It was yeah, I, I actually meant more like sinking cars 
supposedly probably close to your property and it doesn't even sink all the way. <laughs> mm, I mean, it does eventually gets there. It gets, it, it, I know. I'm just like, moment, but I think it's a good idea. Like if I'm living back then then and I have access to a bog, yeah, I'm, I'm chucking my incriminating artifacts in there. What but like, like, oh, you're not? No, no, I am. But I'm just <laughs> yeah, saying like when you pick up that yeah. newspaper, you couldn't feel it was heavy. He was like, in a, he was in a panic. You know, the, the, uh, I'm it's a huge publication. There's a lot of, a lot of news in LA. So yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying that like you, I'm you might be curious. Saying, he does grab it with like both hands. He's, he does. He doesn't even take a look at, he's just, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Just physics, you know, math. Yeah, right. You would, you would think <laughs> his head might've been elsewhere. That's true. Okay. Might've, fine. Might've been with his mom. It's okay. I uh, give it to him. Cause he's cute. So we're in a different movie at this point. <laughs> All right. Charisma. This is shock. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised, but I, I mean, I'm glad. I have very low this, standards. This type. is a hot snake. For sure. This is the hottest of hot snakes. Hot Charisma snakes. takes. Is that Norman Bates? She would. I would. <laughs> All things being smash. equal, she would. We should do that poll every time. Would you smash? I think we should. I mean, smash or not. I think we kind of have been, but I definitely think we should be talking about it more. Yes. Uh, because Paula Prentice, should, yes. Smash. Right. Faith, absolutely. We need to do like a ranking of hotties that we've discovered in these movies because there have Kelly. been some. Oh, come on. Get out of here. Number one hottie. Rock Hudson. Rock Hudson. Sure. I could see it. He's like six foot five. Looks like Superman. Why wouldn't she, right? Done. Smash. Carrie? Uh, yes. Okay. Although I can't remember his face now. Oh, really? Carrie Grant? Well, you. Do notoriously dislike that movie that we watched with him in it. We'll have to do a fresh Cary Grant for you, okay, just so you can maybe. just a refresher. Maybe. Jimmy Stewart, pass. What about the English version Ray Milland from Dial M for Murder? I don't remember. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so well, maybe. Yeah. All right. Um, let's. <laughs> very good. Um, Frabach. Uh, let's talk about our guest. Played by Martin Balsam, who we will later see in the made-for-TV movie, Mitchell, starring Joe Don Baker. But he is a great character actor, this private investigator who's who's on the trail. And again, talking about like natural performances, like he's just a dude. It's it's not theatrical at all. It's just him talking. And I think he's great in this movie for bringing that element of reality and like seeing through the fucking nonsense, all these people with their schemes, Marion and her stealing the money and Norman and his shitty motel. Like, he's just like, I got, I got all you guys like been around the block, seen this before. I know what you're doing <laughs> and you don't fool me. So like out with it. But what did you think Trishman about Mr. Arbogast? How did you feel about his investigation? I think for the time, he was pretty thorough. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he was getting paid. So maybe that was more motivated to get to the bottom of it. Um, you don't think her sister was motivated to get to the bottom of it? Because she's not on the payroll. She's motivated. She, she I mean, they both. Her they, lover. They, he's motivated. They both got to the same place. Look, look, let's be real here. The sister and Sam, they would not, they would not have gotten they to that place, have. but unless that's Martin Balsam's out knocking on doors, true. being that's like, true. you've seen true. this lady. <laughs> she had people don't just disappear. They leave, they leave a trail mm. and he's all about it. So when he shows up at the Bates motel and he has this, this run in with Norman, I mean, 
again, this is an example of, of the movie, like with a very famous score, pointedly not using a score. It's just right. a conversation of yeah. people talking. And it's it's a mirror of of Marion's meeting in the parlor with him for the first time. No, no music until we hear Mrs. Bates's voice. And that lack of music makes it more makes you want to focus more yeah. i find anyway like uh, this is the effect of this is the absence of it actually creates a different effect that you can't get with it um but they're seen together when he's just kind of like probing norman's weaknesses like the weaknesses in mm. his story <laughs> the gaps the easy shit and he, he's sort of like unraveling it and like oh, oh so you did have somebody stay here last week oh, oh okay see right. this is why i ask like he's just playing this dude and it's awesome. I, I, I found those scenes to be very gripping and how like normal and and not not movie-ish. It's not a movie scene. It's just, it's like an actual thing happening is, is what I felt like. But I don't know. What did you guys think, Catherine? Yeah. I mean, I thought it was, yeah, exceptionally well done. And poor old Norman just like drops his shit, frankly. Very he really, easy. He really gives it up really quickly. He, does. he doesn't like hold yeah. it even for a second. This is like the first time anybody's come anywhere near to sniffing around or what he's up to. And he's just, well, it this falls is apart. It. It's the first time that it, it's like his little boyish charm has not worked. Right. Which, you know, and it, it did work. It works with like the locals, you know, they all yes. kind of know him and like his tragic history, the family yeah. and like the, the sheriff. He can't, you know, butter wouldn't mm-hmm. melt in his mouth it, as far as they're all concerned. He's just a sweet, simple boy. Yep. Oh, it's so trying to make the best of like a really tragic situation, people. I feel so bad for him. Yep. Oh my goodness. But Arbogast, he's having none of it. He he figures out that there's something up with this mom character as well, Mrs. Bates. Yep. And he he goes and investigates. Yeah, he he makes a, he calls uh, Lila and Sam, and he's like, "Look, I think I've got this figured out. Like, I met this really weird dude. He's the perfect example of a of a closet murderer if I've ever seen one, and I would know. And uh, I even know what cabin because like this dude's obsessed with changing the linens, but he's skipping a room. That I mean, is that not the secret horror of Psycho? Is like you've got the whole mom and the murder aspect and the split personality, but also just the very notion of musty sheets, musty motel sheets. Like that's a fucking. That's the worst. Though, I mean that it, it elicits such a uh, sense memory of of yeah, like oh, there's probably mold in cabin three. Is he really changing them every week? And like, is a week once a week enough? He's got nothing but time. I don't know. The sheet question really got to me. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Although to be fair, I was kind of applauding it a little bit because uh, I, ju- I mean, I just don't think these things get cleaned enough, frankly. Probably not. Um, you know, and I cannot bear. If I could like take like a pillow with me everywhere I went, I, I would because I, I just, the, you know, bring oh, my Catherine. head on something that like countless other people have and sweated and dribbled into. And I don't know what's stopping you, Catherine, because Carolyn will back this up. Our mother brought her pillow with her every, on every family vacation we ever went to. There was a special like (laughs) pillow scenario (laughs) because she needed to have her pillow and it makes Mm -hmm. total sense. Pillows are just face traps. Like just, I mean, you you can change the sheet. It can be the cleanest sheet. If the pillow underneath is like, most janky then oh, you know, and it, they, they smell i mean i generally genuinely have to like you know it says like i don't know five pillows in the room for whatever reason i have to sniff them all <laughs> and only go with the one that 
you know, doesn't smell as bad. Yeah. And I, I've been known in like particularly awful places. There was, I actually remember somewhere in America, um, some kind of everything was like plastic molded. It was just mm. horrific. It was mm-hmm. by a small airport somewhere. I can't remember where I was, but yes, it was work thing. Um, and everything stank. And I actually slept in my clothes and I put my coat around the pillow because I just couldn't bear my skin anywhere near anything in that place. I could not agree with you more. And I I find your behavior, Catherine, to be totally normal. (laughs) And I think I feel like I need to go wash my pillows now. Anyway, please do not reveal the exciting surprise ending to the Bates Motel linens. Um, There's. The real horror of Psycho. (laughs) Are they musty? We'll never know, you guys, because Arbogast goes into this house. Uh, How do we feel about the the actual Bates house once we see it? It's an iconic structure from the outside. Uh, They've they've rebuilt it, rebuilt the forced perspective facade for the uh, studio tour at Universal Studios. So it's still out where it used to be. I think it burned down or something like that, the original one. But still out there. You can still see it. But the inside is a, I mean, mid-century grandma gothic nightmare as far as I'm concerned. It's all that old, uh, old stained hand-carved woodwork, right? As they would say in Ghost of Mr. Chicken. Your uncle imported all that hand-carved work. Um, And a lot of, you know, heavy carpets and heavy uh, patterned uh, wallpapers and just like bric-a-brac. A lot of stuff in this house. You know, it all looks nice. very beautifully maintained, though. There's some nice Persian rugs. That's yeah, true. I mean, there's no, it doesn't look like this kind of like, it's not dirty. There's not like piles of newspapers everywhere. It doesn't look creepy in that, in like a, you know, slightly abandoned way. Everything just is shiny, clean. You know, he's clearly like looking after it and polishing everything nicely once a week. You know, it's yes, it's part of his preservation. Mm. Uh, uh, angle it does, it does look like an old lady is maintaining it beautifully. Oh yeah, and you know he's he's got nothing but time to rub lemon pledge into those. Fabulous old world banisters. Um, that hand that, that's what he's into. And he's, yes. Yeah, so he's, he's trying to uh, maintain that house. That's a murder house. As the way he knew it when his mother was alive and life was normal. Things were good. And it was just. Happiest have, childhood you know, ever. He can't break away from it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Arbogast, he, he goes to talk to mom and boy, he gets murdered in the process. And he falls down the stairs, another uh, famous iconic shot of Martin Balsam's body, like oddly tumbling down the stairs. We follow him. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. Sam and Lila find Arbogast's absence alarming, and they visit the local sheriff who tells them that Mrs. Bates actually died 10 years prior. Confused, Sam and Lila go to the motel themselves and start poking around in the most unsubtle way possible. Lila makes her way through the Bates house, discovers the desiccated remains of Mrs. Bates fully taxidermied in the fruit cellar. Sam stops Norman, who is now dressed as his mother, from stabbing her to death. And a psychiatrist arrives at the station in time to soliloquize the explanation of Norman's psychosis and fractured personality. Everyone loses pretty hard, and we finish on the bleakest note possible. The end. So, That's really how it ends. Yeah, yeah. So again, you know, classic 
movies of this era, like once the story is done, we're done. I, you know, there are no, no closure. I mean, we didn't talk about it at the beginning, but there are actually opening credits. Uh, this is sort of, again, a very famous, uh, I think, Saul Bass title sequence. It just opens with the words Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> like, it's just his name is the first thing that you see. And then it's Psycho. Um, so I we did, get up. Just going back, sorry, just going back to the credits mm-hmm. there. I really did enjoy graphically the way they were done. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, and again, another thing that is recreated for the the remake and um, the color certainly adds another layer to it. But yeah, the um, the sort of I especially appreciated like the cut and paste aspect of the word psycho, kind of like bouncing mm-hmm. around. You know that type type of animation. Yeah. But yes, so uh, no end credits needed other than the end as we see the the bog car being pulled out. But anyway, le- leading up to all of this, like we get the Bobsy twins here on their little adventure, like do- poking around. And it, they're so obvious about it. It does seem, reads to me, I don't know about you guys, but Norman knows that they know almost. Right. Like he he's 95% certain they're like, oh, you must be here looking for the, the woman I just killed right. and the other man yeah. I just killed. When they say they want to check in, he's like, oh, do you? Okay, sure. Let's write. Hey, but let's I think it. they also somehow work in like, he's killed two other women in the past. Yes, we find out. So it's like, I guess, some kind of serial killer situation happening. Yeah, and it, that explains his bizarre behavior when he's going to change the linens and he skips that first room. He he acts weirdly or like something about that room before he yeah. kills Marion where he, oh, she invites him in for the food and he doesn't want to go in there. Right. So we find out later about the two other young women who were who were missing he presumably killed like that's his spot where he does right. it it's his special place where he goes and becomes mom and kills these women apparently right did anyone clock how the um sheriff said the name of the private investigator Arbogast. Ar- yeah, yes i did yeah it was a very weird like i was like wow that was phonetic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the sheriff's wife by the way we've seen her before she uh, runs the boarding house that Luther Heggs lives at in the Ghost of Mr. Chicken. It's a very ghost. All roads lead back to Ghost of Mr. Chicken at a certain point. <laughs> but she's the one who, hi, Luther. <laughs> and she's very nice. Makes a nice breakfast as we saw Luther and Ollie eating in that movie. But anyway, back to this in- bizarre standoff between Sam and Norman in the office while she's poking around. Lila, he's just thrown it in Norman's face. So you're kind of weird, right? Like weird in a, I want to murder my girlfriend kind of way. Like he just, <laughs> I mean, you probably need some money to get to, to build a new motel, right? And you could start a new look as it kind of clearly sucks out here. If this was a normal interaction between two people, I don't know if Norman reads as the psycho in this scene mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. It's just very intense. And Norman is dealing with it the best he can. And but he's kind of slow on the, the uptake of like, oh, where's your partner like where is and i'm trying to yeah he was very yeah yeah so enough time given so norman can of course slip into his his muumuu and his wig and become mrs bates uh and murder lila down in the fruit cellar she discovers mrs bates but alas as we find out he's not successful he is caught Sam is, you know, again, we saw all those muscles. Like he's he's able to control reedy Norman Bates, and we take him back to the police station. 
And this is where we get the big ex- explanation. Right. It's kind of a crazy scene where it's like, okay, we've had this movie for uh, 90 plus minutes. Can one of us characters please explain it to the rest of us and the audience? <laughs> yeah. like, what is going that, on? Was, that was so obviously what's going on. Like, oh, hey, if you've sat this long, let me explain this to you. Yeah, you probably have some questions at this point in 1960 when you see the man, uh, yes, fracturing into his mother's personality. And that's what we learn is that he, in his mind, he he adopts her personality and starts conversing with himself using her as the channel. And so anytime he has sexual feelings, this is, we, we learned that this is all very sexually motivated, sexual uh, impulses directed towards another woman. The mom part of his brain takes over and freaks out. And, and But it must have him. also been like the first time where they've like portrayed like this multiple personality. If it's not the first time, it's the first time that it's done in a movie of this caliber or like this type of storytelling to where if you took this out of Hitchcock's hand, say, and again, we, you know, we're not going to focus on what a great guy this guy was because he clearly wasn't, but he was a very skilled filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to put it into the hands of somebody less skilled, this is a goofy movie. Like right. this, I think this is probably sure. like a bad movie, sure. like be, you know, cause it would just be so difficult to, handle all of the more bizarre elements in a way where you're not like laughing at it. And the fact that we're not really laughing at it, I mean, maybe through modernized, maybe you'll, but I guess for the most part, I, that's, yeah. But you also knew the ending, Carolyn. Like, yeah. so I saw this movie for the first time, I think it was 17 and I did not know the exciting conclusion to psycho, uh-huh, okay. but even at 17, you know, jaded cynical 17, where you don't like much of anything like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's fucking great. This is a great movie. I get it. Mm-hmm. This is a great movie. Like it worked for me in a way. That's why like, I wanted to be very sure that you had seen it on your own right, right. terms. Right. Yeah. So it's a little talky, this final explanation, but they do lay it out in pretty clear terms, like what happened and how it happened. Yeah, it covers a lot of ground. I mean, I I even thought, you know, that um, the description of the transvestite, you know, the cop guy, oh, he was a transvestite. He was just a woman. Yeah. And yes. then that, that clarification of yeah. the difference between what's happening there. It was a very mature clarification for something that could be played for laughs or right. for, you know, exactly. like, what a weirdo in 1960, you know, like the, again, the, the cross-dressing, that would be something that is not uh, mainstreamed yet. You know, like Ed Wood famously right. uh, talks about this in the fifties and Glenn or Glenda, but, but for the most part for, for a major motion picture event, you know, we're not talking about any of this stuff in the same, the same way. Now there are, there's fringe films and art films being made around this time that are more, I think this movie kind of reflects them, you know, Cassavetti's films and, you know, this, this quest for more realism and less of the artifice and facade of performative 1950s stuff that Carolyn is really into. Uh, but this is, we're trying hey. to get more real here in, in 1960s, the sixties, you guys. That's not I'm going to the movie theater. I get it. I get it. <laughs> we want to look at Grace Kelly's big, beautiful face and the, the big screen. I, mean, I know I, I'm with you. Stone Cold Hottie. Yeah. But, you know, this is the end of Psycho. Do we have any final closing thoughts before we do our song and dance, do the business? Yeah, I I don't know about, like, um, the scene with him in the cell when he's on his own. Ah, yes. And he's asked for a blanket. He's having that little conversation in his head as his mother, in his mother's voice. 
Yes. Now, did you guys notice the slight uh, superimposition of the skull? Mm-hmm. Like his his mom's desiccated head, basically, just slightly fades in right as we transition out of the scene over his face. It's really creepy, very effective. It's one of the again with the like the shower sequence. It's the other like scary like Whoa. traditionally yeah. scary scene that we see where it's like oh my god is that a skull i'm like Ugh. but yes it's a that scene is pretty impressive for uh anthony perkins i would say like do handling all of this again in a way that could be seen as comical in the wrong hands but like he makes you buy it like he's yeah. he's a weird he, off-putting he did a, character he did a really good job acting and playing this character yeah so let's yeah, the thing with the fly no i wouldn't Oh yeah, she wouldn't hurt a fly. He is in his head, you guys, or he's in somebody's head. Oh, he's up in his gourd. I don't want to use, you know, the the p word because it's it might be insensitive, but I feel like this guy might be a little psycho. Psycho. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Was that a sea lion? Yeah, it did sound like sea lion. <laughs> the scary, scary sea lion. That's right. Oh, oh, oh. That's in my remake. We're doing the nautical version. Okay, I'm just going to throw you a fish animals. to distract yeah. you. Then, uh huh. And I'll do my little slappy the fins thing, mm, and then I'll mm. balance a beach ball on my nose, and then we'll call it a day. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> 1960, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, based on somebody's book. We probably should have that author's name. Uh, they belong in there as well. Uh, written by John Psycho, we'll say. Trishman Ike. The key issue at hand. Do we keep watching this thing? <laughs> yes. But one of the fundamental issues that I'm having with <laughs> Alfred wait. Alfred Hitchcock's movies yeah. is so like pervy. his sub. Yes. So they're watching. so pervy. <laughs> That you actually have to dissociate the fact that it was like a well-made movie with the subject matter. And if you're able to do that and just appreciate it for the filmmaking, then yes. Mm-hmm. But I'm re- and, and in last last time I didn't watch the ending of um no, which one was oh, it? Oh, Vertigo. Vertigo. Mm-hmm. And I went back and watched it. Um oh and, yeah. yes. So there again, like I'm so t- between the subject matter. And the filmmaking, like it was a great movie. I liked the ending. I thought it was it was a pretty good twist. But like ugh, the whole concept of the movie was really pissed me off. Um, Just what a man changing a woman to fit the mold. Yes, mold of what and he then wants. like there's no consequence for the man who actually set the whole thing up. Um, well, he just, doesn't get his girlfriend, does he? <laughs> I mean, he. <laughs> Poor guy. Okay, um, I don't know. Like, so I'm just so. But I like Psycho. Carol Nowrose, 1960s Alfred Hitchcock's mm-hmm. Janet Lee's Psycho. Mm-hmm. Do we keep watching this thing? Yeah, I mean, I personally might never watch it again um, because I wow. did not ever feel compelled to watch it. I didn't. I mean, I was totally bored watching it, but I understand why we should keep it mm-hmm. from a film perspective and a turning point in, a, in American culture. It's fine. We can keep it. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And, of course, Catherine Sherlock, 1960 Psycho, brought to you by Alfred Hitchcock and his weirdness. Do we keep watching this thing? Absolutely. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, this was this is iconic on so many levels. It you know it went on to inspire probably a lot of the weird um, That's the that's the thing though. <laughs> What's the thing? But I mean, not not all of it is. I don't know. Like you shouldn't be inspired by some of this stuff. No, 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 no. Like, no. I, and I—that's that's where like you draw the line between the filmmaking and the content of what. Yeah, nobody's saying I, the content I mean, is like. Well, oh, you yeah, don't we know should, that. We should you know, know that. what's happening on like Netflix. I mean, how many like true crime series it is out there? Out there. Uh oh. I'm sorry, Mike. Murphy has something to say. Mike. You're kind of coming in and out. So if you could just say that last part again, please. <laughs> that they're <laughs> you've woken up the, the Gorgons. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost done, dogs. You're doing great. Um, Catherine, I'm in total agreement with you. I think this movie is iconic in all the ways. Now look, the content is it's fucked up, like, but it's supposed to be fucked up. It's because it's people like, are fucked up. Yeah, right. exactly. Nobody's watching Barbarian and being, oh yeah, well, this is how you well, should uh, take advantage of a, a verbo opportunity. People Sorry, are also fascinated with the macabre and with things that scare them so that they can be like, whoo, okay, I'm not crazy like that. So, you know. Well, okay, great point. So did this did any part of this movie scare you guys? No, not 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 at this age, but clearly as a child it scared me. The scariest I mean, part yeah, is when she gets busted by her boss <laughs> leaving town, like as an adult. The naughtiness yeah. of getting yeah, your I mean, hands caught. There, there was jar. some tension. Yeah. Um and I and I think you know I was genuine I don't know I think I was mm. I didn't expect the opening scene with the, the the sexiness. I mean that's not scary shocking but it was As a as a woman yeah I agree like as an as a, a kid there's the shower scene. As an adult you're like oh my god if I committed a crime at work white collar crime people embezzlement. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um I think as a woman, I found the scene when he when he's watching her eat, and I would I would have been like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Mm. That would that's creepy. Norman yeah. Bates is a walking yes. red flag. <laughs> like, yes, there isn't, so many ways outside of like like you say, like the headshot of just human man. Like anything else that you're any insight we get into him is upsetting. I don't want any more of it. It's too much. But uh, we got to keep watching this. I don't know. This movie holds up. I look forward to watching this movie. It's also an incredibly economical uh, bit of storytelling. Mm. Like it's less than two hours, almost two movies worth of movie here. And there's not a lot of fat that you could cut. Uh, it's pretty tight. It is tight. Um, I think it. I think it reads as a fairly modern film compared to a lot of the stuff that we've watched for this program True. recently. So. There you go. Let's wrap it up with some artifacts for our fabulous museum of mid-century life. We call it the boom room. It's all, it's over on our Patreon page, which for two bucks, you can go get our first 50 episodes twice as long. They are the double length ad free episodes. Go get them and uh, let us know that you care, you guys. But Shrishma Naik, uh, what would you like to take from 1960s psycho and put into our fabulous museum of mid-century life? I would like to take the owl that he taxidermied. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, just to support Norman's Hobbies. hobby. <laughs> yeah, okay. I appreciate the fact that you want to support Norman and some of his. Of I just his said maybe if he had like uh if he wasn't if he had a different childhood or someone loved him more, maybe he might have turned out different. 
He might have been more normal. So you think it's Nor- Norman and normal? Nature. Like that's on purpose. Bates is on purpose too. He's the master of the house. He's Master Bates, and he's <laughs> finally. <laughs> Trish was like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> But all that stuff's on purpose, but we'll give that credit to the author, whatever their name may be. <laughs> um, okay. Owl, stuffed owl. You got it. Carolyn, what do you want to put in the boom room? I'm going to take one of the Persian rugs from mom's house. Sure. <laughs> Well-maintained. I mean, it looks like Norman took really good care of that house and they look like they're, it's, they probably wouldn't have seen a lot of sunlight. So therefore they're not He takes those rugs out and he beats them. He's got carpenters. Right. He's that type right. of guy. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can get a pretty penny for that on eBay when uh, when the boom room eventually closes, as it will. <laughs> yes. um, Catherine Sherlock, what would you like to put into our fabulous museum? Well, I also would have was going to go for the angry owl. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm having to think. Something is coming to mind. Do you want that great clear shower curtain? Uh, nah. I, uh, maybe the sign, the Bates Motel sign. Oh, that's oh, a good one. yeah. That really should have just been turned off, frankly, and then nothing would happen. fixated on the business model of the, of the yeah. signage. Yeah. I mean, uh, clearly he's uninterested in actually being a host. Well, no, he, got, he, he had kind of like quenched his, his thirst for murder for the time being, and whenever he's he starts feeling the itch. Like he just flips that sign back on, I guess must be nice to, I mean, presumably they own that place outright. I mean, like he's making 10 bucks per stay one stay every two or three weeks. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the math on that looks like, but probably can't support a big old a gingerbread house. I would imagine, but um, yes. Uh, always love a good piece of neon. Catherine, you got it. Bates mm-hmm. motel sign. This is it. It, it draws those moths to the flame. That's right. Um, and we need to draw those patrons to our to our museum. So let's use that. Uh, I've got a tie over here. I mean, I know which one I'll take, but like one of the things that did stand out, Norman's copy of Beethoven's Third Symphony uh, on LP, which he has, we see when um, they're exploring the house and they go to his bedroom and he has Eroica, uh, which is my favorite Beethoven symphony. Um, so, but I'm not sure what, like why that was chosen. I don't, I couldn't tell you the, like what the subtext is. Cause that's uh, presumably about uh, a young Napoleon Bonaparte. Um, but anyway, that's interesting and just like, Oh yeah, I'll have that. That's a great piece of music, but I will take for real the clipper ship end table lamp that is found in all of the rooms at the Bates motel. We see it pretty prominently when Marion is settling in and like unpacking her suitcase and all this, but it's just a nice lampshade with a big old clipper ship, nautical themed lamps. Why not? And that'll do it. That's a wrap for 1960s Psycho. We did it. Congratulations, you guys, on experiencing one of uh, the great films, I would say. Thank you. Ooh. On behalf of the movie, you're, thank you. Uh, let's talk next week. We're going to have a special Tuesday release because it will be Halloween. Halloweeny. So, that being said, we talked about this last week. If I'm not mistaken, we are going to be watching a personal fave. We're breaking another rule. We did black and white today. We, our first black movie. You're still alive. Still breathing. Christmas. You're yawning, but you're alive. I appreciate that. Um, 
we're going to do a film that's slightly out of our time window. It was actually filmed in early 1966, but I mean, still it's close enough, right? We get the vibe. Okay. So we are going to be watching 1966's Munster Go Home. That's right. We've talked an awful lot about the television show, The Munsters. Well, there was a feature film made. Munsters was in black and white, famously. The movie, wide awake color. Uh, let me give you the, the log line. Is this here. like the Wednesday family? It's similar. It's similar. So we'll probably talk about this next week, I would imagine. But like at the time, the Adams family, oh, the was, Adams family. was on right. uh, one channel, one network, and on the other network, they with the Munsters. Uh-huh. And we're, you're going to have questions about the Munsters and how that family came together and how it works and everything. But for right now, all you need to know is that Herman, Lily, Grandpa, and their ghoulish clan relocate overseas when Herman inherits his uncle's English estate. However, they discover a group of criminals is occupying their new home. Mm. So, Catherine, you're going to feel pangs of homesickness next week. I'm so sorry because we're going to be seeing L.A. backlot of of uh, a UK manor home. So you can bask in all of that, all of uh, your homeland's glory as uh, imitated by Hollywood. So that's next week, you guys. Munster go home. We'll celebrate the end of spooky season. And uh, until then, you guys, thank you so much for being here. And we will see you next time. Please never forget that this has been Old Movie Time Machine.